0: Hear what they've done to get there and where they want to go now. Settle back. It's time for a bit of inspiration and advice. Come listen to today's Discovered Wordsmith. Brought to you by Mind Architecture Building worlds for your mind.
1: Today on Discovered Wordsmith, I have Saf Dodd. Saf, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. How about you? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm not as pink as you are today.
2: <laughs> yeah. Pink is, it's a takeover in here.
1: Got it. Okay. So we know you like pink. Before we talk about your book, tell us about some other things about you, what you like uh, to do outside of writing. Well,
2: shocker. I like to read mostly action, adventure, yep. fantasy, or horror, but I also, I also do makeup. I'm a full-time beauty specialist. So, like, I I do makeup looks a lot, and I cosplay.
1: Oh, nice. What's your cosplay characters?
2: Ladybug from Miraculous Ladybug, Marinette from Miraculous Ladybug, Sailor Moon, Alice from Alice in Wonderland, both versions, and Cinderella, and a couple of characters from Bluey. That's what I've got in my roster right now.
1: Oh, nice. My daughter loved Miraculous Ladybug. Uh, oh yes, so I love I, it. I, I actually know that one a little bit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I actually got to meet the voice actress of Ladybug at Huntsville Pop Culture Expo when I was there to sign books.
1: Oh, fun. nice! Yeah, that's always fun to do. There's been a lot more of those in recent years. I think it's a, a good change in the culture that there's yeah. so much of this available now. So, tell us where do you live, and if there's anything really cool about where you live.
2: Well, I live in Nashville, so it's Nashville, Tennessee, to Music City. (laughs) I guess like I've lived here my whole life, and it it doesn't seem like it's as that cool. But like, I I guess like everybody moves here to get big in country music.
1: I I can relate. I live near Cleveland, the rock and roll capital. I Uh, wish uh, I I lived there. I've only been to the rock and roll museum one time, so yeah, (laughs) nice. All right, so why did you want to start writing and then what made you want to write this book? Okay, so
2: I have literally been writing for as long as I know how I knew how, like I started at a very early age, just writing stories down in notebooks and stuff because I, would, I, I I would, excuse me, I would try to, I would tell stories to my mom before I knew how to write. Um, and then like when I learned to write, I was like, this is so cool. Now I can put my ideas down. Um, and you know there wasn't much structure to it because I was a uh, really young but um, it's built it's built into something more of a, more of like a craft that I do um, and uh, I I started writing because like I felt it in me I knew that I needed to like I was always destined to write and um, I, this particular novel was really hard for me because I wrote it to, like because i wrote it to get through my grief over losing someone very close to me um that's why the main core okay. themes in sovereign forth are loss and grief so and i wrote that to help nice. me kind oh. of move on and cope it's dedicated to my uncle and, Arthur, and I,
1: huh? I, that, that's a that's a coping mechanism that's a, a way recommended is writing your feelings writing things down and channeling that into a story is, i guess you could look at it as taking the bad thing and putting it into something good.
2: Yeah. And then it became a debut. And, and novel, I know so. a lot of people do. Huh.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. And I do like that you have been telling stories since you were young. That's <laughs> one of the things I've been working on talking to parents about is, you know, our kids should tell stories. Our kids should learn to tell stories more so at the beginning than spelling or grammar, because that will yeah. come. And that's exactly what you've done. You've told stories, and now you're writing stories, and now you've written a book.
2: I've always had an insane imagination. uh,
1: Describe insane imagination. I love that description. What do you mean by insane imagination?
2: (laughs) I am so full of ideas, (laughs) like to the brim. Cool. Um, I'm I'm always like, I, I work on, I'm working on two projects right now, mainly, but I also have three other side projects, you know, like. I've always got something. If I get bored with one thing, I can move to the other, and then I'm still being productive.
1: Nice. Great. All right, so we're going to talk about your book, Sovereign Fourth. Tell us a little bit about it, as much as you want to give away.
2: Okay. Well, it is about dragons and dragon riders, and it's set in a kingdom, or an empire, rather, and reminiscent of ancient China and ancient Japan. So a lot of the culture is Far Eastern. They were kimonos and, you know, junhitos, stuff like that, like the traditional rare, hanfus. And so I did a lot of research, a lot of research, so that I could build this world properly. Um, and I didn't want the regular, like the usual medieval kingdom setting for dragons, I wanted something different. And I figured that this hadn't been done before, so it was, as far as I knew, it hadn't been done before. So I was like, "Well, you know, I could do it this way." And it's it's like a lot of the themes are grief and floss, uh, of course, but then there's also a lot of action, a lot of adventure, and there's found family. You know, some people really like that genre. But yeah, it's it was like that's I don't I don't know how else to say about. It. I'm sorry. I've never been interviewed So did you do
1: any, that's fine. Did you do any research into what types of dragons there are in Chinese mythology as opposed to Eastern Europe um, or something?
2: I did. And I decided to stick with your typical picture of dragons because I wanted them to have wings. And dragons like in ancient China did not have wings. They were serpent-like. And there are dragons in the universe that I write that are like that. There are different species of dragons. It's just the most common one is the one that has four legs and two
1: wings. I got it. So you kind of made it your own. Yeah. Okay. And and so the, what's the, the, you said it's got dragons, it's medieval. What's the basic story? Is it someone trying to take over a kingdom or what's going on in the story?
2: Okay. So it starts with, Tenma, the main character, and she's a little girl and she witnesses the death of her mother and then like for her entire life, her dragon has been watching her from afar. She does not know she's a dragon rider. Um, But her dragon, Artemis, has watched her grow up because dragons and dragon riders cannot be super separate or they will feel it and it'll be very upsetting and very distressful for them. So, you know, Tenma's father agreed to let Artemis stay in the woods outside of their house so that he could watch Tenma. And one night, there's a fire. And Tenma's sister, Mira, and her father, Miros, um, appear to have not made it. Uh, Tenma runs, like, she sees somebody in the house while she's trying to get to her father's room, so she runs back upstairs, and it ends up, she gets thrown out of a window, and that's how her dragon was able to save her. Now, she is the Sovereign, which is the conduit to the god of lightnings, the conduit to the god of lightning, and she was chosen at birth. And her father wanted to keep her from that, so he would he didn't allow any of that to be part of her life. And then, but when he passed away, she was brought to the capital where the court wizard Lhasan is going to train her to, to like harness the power of hero, learn magic, and some sword fighting. So she becomes the court wizard's apprentice. They're really, like, I love my cast of characters, but I'm a little biased. There's uh, a lynx demon who is my favorite. They're called Sibelins, and Sibelins used to be animals that are demons that turned into humans, and so he has cat ears and a cat tail, and he's one of my favorites to write about. He's very snarky, very smart-alecky, very, you know, aloof I'm into, and... Then there, my second favorite character is Catania. She is a seer and she like, there's, she's a part of the elite guard. And so she's like a rank above Tenma, but she's always been like a mother figure to Tenma since she came there. And this book is about her learning how to harness this power and also losing a lot of people that she loves. You know, there's a lot of I wouldn't say I'm James R. Or George R. 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 Martin levels, but I do. I don't shy away from character death because I feel, but I always want to make it mean something. I don't just kill characters because I want to. I want to make it mean something. Their death that that can progress the story right. further.
1: Okay, and so this seems a very deep book. It's not. Is it? Is it like YA or? what genre level would you put it at
2: like i i don't want to say YA because i I know that there are like 13 year olds that are included in y a um like a lot like it does touch on some troubling subjects like human trafficking and stuff like that so there's nothing explicit in it but i think it's more for an audience of 16 to 27 year olds you know it's more of my target audience and i'm not sure what that's called but
1: as, well, whatever. I think there's a, there's the new adult genre, but that it, a lot of time is drama, not fantasy. I, see, I have a problem with some of our designations because like YA is more of a demographic, not a genre. Mm-hmm. You know, there's horror in YA. There's romance in YA. Yeah. You know, so it's so this is like y, YA or new adult fantasy is Here's what it some, sounds like. That sounds cool. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> that's something to check out.
2: Yeah, for sure. But like, so, I, oh, I'm
1: sorry, we got a bit go of a lag. Ahead. I apologize. Go ahead and finish what you were saying.
2: Uh, I just I've put like, and um, every almost every character mentioned in the book, even side characters, have like a full fleshed out backstory that I only have. So <laughs> I started a Patreon to start posting that stuff. But you know, like I nice. Yeah, what were you gonna say?
1: I was going to ask if you've ever read the Dragon Riders of Pern series.
2: I have. I read them when I was very young. And that's what got my interest in dragons started. I loved all
1: of Anne McCaffrey's books. So she... um, Okay. Actually, it's funny. I got a... uh, I'm sorry. I got a buddy that loves those books. I, I couldn't get into them as much. There's other fantasy I do read. But for some reason, I just couldn't get into Dragon Riders.
2: It's a unique genre, and like I, I love. I took a little bit of inspiration from them because the different types of dragons are different colors. So, like Artemis Tema's dragon is a bronze dragon, which is one of the large. He's the last bronze dragon. Um, so and they're very large. So they have different size, shape, and color.
1: Okay, have you uh run across the Dragonlance series? I have not. You might want to check that one out. It uh, is a Wizards of the Coast, so it's associated with Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, Mm -hmm. In fact, it started as Dungeons & Dragons campaigns, but it's uh, a world, the world when the books start don't have dragons, but the whole uh, first trilogy is all about the dragons coming back, uh, and Mm -hmm. there's a war. So that's one of my favorite fantasies. So check Dragonlance out.
2: Yeah, for sure. What did you say it was called
1: again? Dragonlance uh, series. The first one is Dragons of Autumn Twilight. Used to be some of my favorite fantasy when I was younger. So Saf, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I, uh, I what type of feedback are you getting? <laughs> what type of feedback are you getting for your books?
2: Um, I'm mostly positive, and I'm really happy about that. Like, um, I don't think I've gotten a bad review yet, but you know, someone might have not liked it and just not reviewed it. I know, like, I know that. There's always room for improvement, you know. You never stop honing your craft.
1: Always, uh, yeah,
2: yeah. You know? <laughs> so, but it's been getting pretty positive feedback. I went to, I was invited to sign books at Culture, uh, Pop Culture Expo in Huntsville last April, and I sold out of my novel there.
1: That's amazing! That's awesome! Great. Uh, so, if you had a choice, would you uh, like to see this book turned into a movie or a TV show?
2: tv show because i think that if the people who did game of thrones and stuff like that got a hold of it it could be something really great because i don't know i feel like movies you have to cut out you have to cut out stuff in movies and like i don't know and you like lose the creative license when you do that it's like if i if it was going to be turned into some kind of media i'd like it to be an either an anime or a tv show because there i can i have say so and stuff like that
1: right i'd I'd love to have more really good anime fantasy, yes, so do you have a website that people can go to?
2: um I don't have a website I have a facebook page it's just sa odd and okay. I have a patreon as well just if anybody was interested in that it's I post backstories chapters, pictures of characters that I've done i put like put in the also the journey of publishing. I try to show a little bit on there. It's it's still brand new, but I do have lots of plans for it. I've got this this month's bonus chapter is already finished. I just have to edit it.
1: Okay, great. Uh, We'll make sure and put a link in the show notes for that. Thank you. So do you have plans for a book? You you mentioned you have a couple projects. Do you have Mm -hmm. plans for a book two in this series or what are some of your other books coming up?
2: Okay, so this series has three books, three installments. The second one is being edited right now. So hopefully be released by sometime, like, beginning of next year. And okay. I am working on another project that I'm going to take to a publisher that is... is Rumpelstiltskin meets Prince and the Popper. And if you don't know... Like, do you know Rumpelstiltskin? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, do you know the Prince and the Popper, Like, the two that look to the same and swapped places? Of course. Okay, so the idea yeah. is that Rumpelstiltskin was promised a firstborn child if he spun gold, straw into gold for this woman, and this woman was desperate because she was going to be killed if she didn't spin the straw into gold, so she took right. the deal, and um, whenever she she marries the king and gets pregnant, the, you know, Rumpelstiltskin shows up again and tells her he gets what he wants. And she has the baby. It turns out there's twins. One has golden hair. One has brown hair, like their mother. And it shows up at the christening to take the baby. And he know he's like, I know that this one is the firstborn because I cursed you to have to for your firstborn to have hair like the gold that you so desperately needed from me. And so he takes the girl and names her Lena. And he deals in names. And names are if you take someone's name, it makes them go insane and so he deals in names and he says he tells lena that he got his her name from the sun goddess because of her hair and you know skip forward lena is now on a pirate ship and working as an herbalist for the pirates and she ends up back in the kingdom where she was born her sister finds her and then they talk and they explain each other's lives and what happened and then they swap places for a year and the story is the story of lena trying to get through learning how to be royalty and not blowing her cover and she ends up like her cover gets blown in the first five minutes by one person who is it's ellen we her sister's um private tutor and he's blind so he's like i've heard ellen we's voice every day for 10 years i know that's not you so who are you and so he t- she tells him who she is and then he helps her learn how to be a princess and then the rest of it's like there is action and stuff like You know, Rumpelstiltskin wants to get her back, but, you know, that's the
1: gist. Nice. Okay. And and when do you have uh, plans for that to come out? What's the hope? Um, It is in the editing process right now, and I'm not sure
2: I'm going to go to the same publisher. I'm thinking about going to another literary agent and, you know, like querying the manuscript um, because I'd like to have representation and hopefully get it to a nice publisher, you know. My publisher's great. It really right. is. It's just they don't have they don't have a lot of the resources that a bigger publishing company would. So like, um, I'm paying for all my own ads and stuff like that. So if right. I got well, just
1: a a warning, just a um, warning that may not change with yeah. different publishers. From my understanding, they only do so much and only for the biggest. One, so you may not see any change.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it would be nice to like be able to go to Books
1: a Million and see a copy of my book there. That's true, very true. Okay, so let me ask you: Do you who who are some of your favorite authors? Some of your favorite books? We've mentioned a couple already, but what are some of your favorites?
2: This this series it's this it's the Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer, who is my favorite author of all time. And this is my favorite book from that series. It's basically just like fairy tales retold in a sci-fi setting. So
0: right.
2: I enjoy right. I enjoy stuff like that. I enjoy, obviously I enjoy fairy tale retellings, but I'm also really like, I'm trying, I'm drawing a blank. I'm sorry. They wrote the, the Kelly Armstrong. That's who I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah. Kelly Armstrong. She wrote a series, like a couple of series about supernatural stuff. So I really like her too. But Marissa Meyer, nice. she's the one.
1: Okay. Got it. Okay. And do you where you live in Nashville, do you have a favorite bookstore in the area that you like to go to? Um,
2: the Books A Million out here is really great. I like going there. And I also like, there's this little, I live in a little town outside of Nashville. So, like, there's this little bookstore that's, like, locally owned. And I love going there.
1: Okay. And what, did you know what it's called?
2: Oh, right. Reading Rock Books.
1: Okay. I've got a couple friends that actually live in the area. Oh, um, really? So I, I wonder how many. Yeah. Um, all right. So, and it, before we talk about some author stuff, if you're walking down the street and somebody wasn't into music, but they were into books, and they said, You wrote a book. Why should I get your book and read it? What would you tell them? Because it has heart. And it
2: does deal with some heavy subjects that I feel like aren't talked about enough. So, you know, I don't shy away from the difficult subjects. As a matter of fact, I seem to like
1: towards them. And that's actually a noticeable and a good thing uh, with your generation. There's been a lot more understanding, a lot more awareness of mental health and, and the pitfalls and the problems and not just ignoring it and not the stigma that lots of people have an issue and it may be a temporary thing. It may be for just a little while because of certain things, uh, you know, but it's definitely better from like before me, the boomer generation down to you, you know, my kid's generation, there's definitely a difference in how the mental health issues are handled. Uh, So I think your generation could definitely be applauded for your much more understanding of that and awareness of it.
2: Yeah, it is a lot better than it was 50 years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, 50 to uh, 80 years ago, yeah. (laughs) 50 years ago was not too long ago for me. Um, So let me ask you, Saf, you've written some books, you've got some you're working on. What are some things that you've learned that you're doing different now than when you first started?
2: I learned that I'm a teller (laughs) instead of a shower. So, I've been really working on, like, bettering my not pa- not having passive voice, not having too much telling, more showing, you know? It's really hard because I'm a very descriptive writer. So, it, like, I want to describe the person as tall, muscular, well, you know, well-built, something like that. I It's very hard for me not to use descriptive words and to just, like, as if he's tall, he has to duck to get in the room. You know what I mean? So, like, I... I'm struggling with that a little bit, but I am getting better. And um, so I feel like that's my main skill that I'm working on right now. Um, and I'm doing that differently. Also the publishing process. Like I, before I went into this, had no idea what it was like. Um, so I'm doing more like to advocate for myself, you know, and my writing.
1: Okay. So you mentioned a uh, publisher and you know, hoping to get a different bigger and that type of thing. And what what our topic is that we decided we were going to talk about was earnings for an author and what what that currently is, what it could be, why maybe it should change, and that type of thing. So why did you want to talk about that topic? Let's start there.
2: Well, I just feel like I see people put, like self-publishing on Amazon all the time, and that's great. I'm glad I used to self-publish on Amazon. You know, I would have an editor look over my work and I'd do that. But it's like if you publish on Amazon, then your ebook is free. So, like, you're not getting paid anything for people to consume. What well, that's you not work. true. Well, that's that's how it was that's when a, I would self-publish you, on Amazon. When I would self-publish on Amazon. Did that, you put
1: it in Kindle Unlimited?
2: Uh, I don't think so. I, I just I just I would like it's been a while. I would just upload it to the Kindle Direct Publishing site, and then it would be reviewed for twelve hours, and then it would be posted. But because it was published right. on Amazon, they all every time I published a book on Amazon, they always put it on the Kindle for free. So
1: um, okay, I- well, first maybe that's part of the problem because that has never been true. That it's forced to free. In fact, it's difficult to get your things taken for free. Did you have it listed somewhere else for free first? I did not. I did not. Huh. Well, that's interesting, because I mean I've got my book up there right now, and my ebook is three dollars and my print book is ten. Uh, and you can set your price for your ebook through Amazon. Now, if you're in Kindle Unlimited, it's free for Kindle Unlimited subscribers, but you get paid per page read. Oh, okay
2: see I didn't know any of that like I didn't have anybody to explain it to me about Amazon so I was just desperately searching for a publisher that would take Sovereign Forth and you know the publisher that right. I happened—I was Jumpmaster and they're great they've taken really good care of me but you know I like once my contract is up with them I'm probably gonna take Sovereign Forth to another publisher just to you know like and they've already talked with me about it they said that that was fine because the rights are only being borrowed right now um and you know I just feel like it could get more recognition and maybe like, and I feel like people don't value people's writing. Like it's not like, it's not like an important skill.
1: I agree with
2: that. Yeah. But like, I don't, if we didn't have creative voices in the world, imagine how dull it would be, you know? And like you put your work, Uh, you put your, you pour your heart and soul into your work. And then it's like, you only get like, a couple of dollars less for every copy sold. So like, and I know that they have to do it right. that way because they're a small publisher and they only make, you know, they can't, they have to make their ends meet too. But one day I would like right. to be a full-time author and be able to live off of it.
1: Well, just to understand that if you have an agent and you go to like random house mm-hmm. or something that you'll get a small advance, like a thousand dollars or $5,000 and then when you're all done with the book, you might get another thousand to $5,000 and then they will sell the book until they've earned that money back. And you won't get any more money for sales until after that fact. And yeah, most, from my understanding, most authors don't even make back their, uh, their, um, royalties from that. So I'm just I'm not trying to burst your bubble. I'm just setting expectations that even if you get signed with penguin or random house or something, it's not just going to be some big check that you're suddenly going to get. And they only do so much. They, they, they take an even bigger percentage of royalties. So for like a $10 book, you might only get 40 cents for everyone that's sold after you pay out on your advance. So Just making you aware and anyone else listening that that's really how it works. And you're still expected to do your own marketing, like to get on podcasts and to do things like that. So, And you did touch upon a pet peeve of mine, though, that for music, because I'm a musician and for writing, is that you practice as a musician for years. You go through lessons, you practice, you play, you just spend all this time perfecting your skill. And then you come out with music and people say, well, I'm not going to pay for that because yeah. they, like you said, don't value the skill that it took. Or they come out, you come out with this album. That's an amazing album. People are like, eh, you could have done better. And that's not really, and and they don't have any understanding of the skill and what it takes. And the same with writing, you know, most books now are 15 to $20 hardbacks are 25, $30 and people are like, oh, I'm not paying that for a book. It's like, but really, this book, it costs as much as a movie ticket. And a movie ticket is for two hours. And this book will last you for like six to eight hours of entertainment. Right. So I, I don't get people's thinking on that. It, it, it is annoying. Um, but like you said, Jumpmaster and many of the other publishers who help out and help get some of that out there. I know I I thought Jumpmaster had a wonderful booth at the yeah. Scares That Care that I was a part of. So you do get that benefit. Have you ever looked into not just self-publishing, but selling your book through your website?
2: I don't have a website. I
1: just have a Facebook page and a Patreon. I'm, I, that's, you know, Patreon too. That's just some an option you have as an independent author mm-hmm. is being able to take your book, And having the website, put it on the website. So if I put my print book on the website for $10, I'm plus shipping, don't count shipping for a minute, but at $10, I would make more by printing the book myself and selling it than putting it on Amazon and letting them print and sell it. And have you ever heard of book funnel? Book what? Book funnel. No, I haven't. Well, there's another thing for you to mark down. With Book Funnel, you can actually offer your ebook for sale and it's directly from you. So you can send people to your, your Book Funnel page and they can buy the book, the ebook, and get it onto their Kindle to read without going through Amazon or Kobo or anything. So something to check out.
2: Yeah, I just typed it in the browser so I can go there whenever I get off the call. Well,
1: right. There we go. So when you were doing your first book, did you find an editor or did your publisher get an editor and edit?
2: Well, I did both. I have an editor that edits all of my work and he like he's great. And then I had I had him edit the manuscript first and then when I was satisfied with how it was, I sent it to the publisher and then the publisher went through a few times with me and we agreed or disagreed on changes and that's, so I've,
1: I've done both. Okay. And, and that's one of the things personally that I like about being independent is I can find and choose an editor myself, yeah. uh, but it is one of the costs that publishers quite often take on so that's, you know, they, they compensate that through slightly lower royalties to. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. No, uh, I understand. Stuff. And I'm not like, I'm not like salty about it
1: or anything,
2: but like I said, I am trying to make You're exploring
1: myself. your options as an independent author.
2: Yeah. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to get it to where I can one day make a living off my writing because that would be a dream come true.
1: And, and, and that's actually, I mean, I totally agree and applaud and think you should. You're young and you're still starting out writing. So, okay, I've written a book. I, I have a publisher. I'm gonna try another publisher. I might try and publish something myself, or I have done that. I might try and put something on my own website. You know, you've got all these options to explore. It's figuring out what works best for you with you know what you're offering. I know there's one author that I met at a conference, she did a talk, and she doesn't write just books what she does is she writes serial fiction that's only released on her website and you have to pay to get access to it and every day from january 1st to july 1st every day she posts a new chapter a new section of the story and it continues for those six months and people pay to read it every single day uh, and keep up and then she compiles it into a book and sells it at the end of the year so that's a total different way of selling a book and promoting a book, but then, you know, those are the options you get in today's publishing world, which I, I think is great. I love that. That's one of the reasons I'm so attracted to it. Yeah, You know, if you're not selling your book. I, I, I've, I've been, I worked for myself for many years and I hear people all the time saying, Oh, my book's not selling. And my response is always, well then figure out how to sell it. I mean, yeah. that's your option. That's your, what it, you own that. So, yeah. you know, if it's, if you don't want to spend the time marketing, you don't want to spend the time figuring out that stuff, then your best bet is to find a publisher and sign on with them and let them handle that. You get less money, but you also have less work. Well, you're right. And I, like, I knew all that because
2: I did like self-publish before I went to Jumpmaster and I'm even promoting stuff now. And like it, you know, it's always good to like always be your own hype man. Um, and my mom, right. is a great handler. <laughs> my mom is a great radio and everything. Whenever we went to Huntsville, like,
1: awesome. so, gotta, <laughs> so wait, so how'd you get you on the radio? What, what, what'd you do? What was that like?
2: Well, it was a local uh, radio station that had a video camera and a guy coming up with a microphone, just kind of checking off the call. And my mom grabbed them and pulled them over to the jump master booth. And then she grabbed my arm and she's like, this is a published author. And she's selling her book here today. And <laughs> I was like, mom,
1: nice, nice. So did they talk to you and did you have a good time with that?
2: Yes, I did. It was very fun. I was so nervous because I was put on the spot, but I think I did okay.
1: Good. Well, that's, you know, that's part of the reason I do this podcast is to give new authors a chance to get on a podcast, to talk about their book and kind of figure out what they want to say. That's part of the, you know, because there's not a lot of podcasts, not a lot of avenues out there for a brand new author To get an interview or something, unless you're paying for it. So I just, that's why I did this. I wanted to have that avenue for people.
2: Thank you. Okay, my battery's running low. (laughs) I need to go get my charger. It might, it might disconnect. No, I think
1: we're uh, coming, we're coming to a close here pretty quick. So I've loved talking to you. I think your book sounds great. I love the fantasy. Before we go and you get disconnected, do you have any other advice for new authors? You can't
2: just, it's finished the book. That's what I have to say. It is like, you can edit a bad book, but you can't wait. If you have nothing, then there's nothing that you can do. So like, don't be discouraged. Agreed. Even Agreed. if it's, even if you write it and you feel like it's awful, finish it.
1: Cause you can edit. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think people need to write a lot more to figure out what really is good for their writing.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's, and it's I think very people sometimes
1: write one book and yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. And that's why you wrote, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Saf, I appreciate you jumping on uh, and talking today. Your book sounds great and I wish you luck on it. Thank you.
2: Thank you. I appreciate you having me. It was great to meet you.
1: Hi, if you enjoyed this episode of Discovered Wordsmiths, please support the author. Go to their website, go to Amazon, look them up, get the book. And if you click on the link that I have in the show notes, you'll also help support the podcast so I can keep the hosting and all the software I use and uh, keep it running to help more authors. When I am recording this, we've got over 100 episodes, lots of authors. Go to the website, discoveredwordsmiths.com. Check it out. There's a lot of great authors, probably in some genre that you love. See what they have. Check out their books. That's what the point of the podcast is for so people can discover new authors, find some new books they love, support the authors so they can continue writing, so please support them. And if you do like the podcast, if you've been thinking of podcasting or you're a writer, I've got some links also at the website. Click on those if you're interested in any of the software or services that I talk about. Everything that I have there is something I use, so I've got an affiliate link.